Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, the Premier League season has concluded, but the biggest game of the season is still to come. And so we preview the FA Cup final against Chelsea on Series 3, Episode 31 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast and look at a 1-0 win against Watford in the finale to the league campaign that brought Michael Carrick's career to an end, or his playing career at least. We'll also speak about changes to the club's coaching setup going into next season with assistant manager Rui Faria leaving and a youth update as the under-18s played in the under-18 Premier League final against Chelsea and the under-17 Euros have been going on in England with a couple of United players in action. Enter the season, completely meaningless. Um, and it, we haven't really had a completely meaningless enter season since. I think um, Ryan Giggs was replacing David Moyes. But um, it was it was a proper end-of-season game against Watford. And it's it's hard to complain about it being dull. I think, that, I think you can complain because a lot of the season has been dull. And that's why people complain. Whereas most fans would accept the last game of the season being a bit dull. It's just yet again another another boring game. But the main frustration is where where's the youth in the end of that? I understand against West Ham he wanted to secure second place. That's that's Marino get the job done. But against Watford, a nothing game for easier side. It seems ridiculous. Under twenty threes and under eighteen seasons are over, and there's there's players deserving an inclusion in that team like Tahir Chong, Ethan Hamilton, Leo Connor, Angel Gomez, who got his debut last season in in the final game of the season. It, it's it's odd not to give them that experience. Yeah, it was it was really strange. Uh, I expected there to be at least three or four youth players involved in the game. Um, it's it's just a perfect opportunity for them, really. Like you said, end of season game. Both us and Watford had nothing to play for, really. Um, so yeah, I was pretty disappointed with that. The, the the only thing I can think of is that Mourinho was using this as his last chance to get a look at people before deciding on his FA Cup final team. But to be honest, he's had a whole season to do that, and he should pretty much know his strongest eleven by now. So yeah, I was I was very disappointed that there wasn't more youth players involved on, on the game itself. It was the most typical end of season game you could ever ever expect. <laughs> the second half might be <laughs> the the least intense Premier League game I've ever seen. Um, it was the first half wasn't was pretty slow on its own, but the second half was arguably even slower. Um, everyone was sort of going through the motions, and you know it's not not necessarily a bad thing if both teams have nothing to play for. I don't expect both teams to be going going at each other a hundred percent. It was nice to see Michael Carrick play uh, a big part in in the goal as well. Uh, in some ways, I wish Matter had, uh, had scored it himself so that Carrick got credited with the, with the assist, but that was Carrick's goal through and through. It was a great way for him to end his career and 
rightly got a great moment when he walked off the pitch um, as he got subbed. The reception from the Old Trafford crowd was brilliant, and rightly so. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he might do now in the future in a coaching uh, coaching capacity at Old Trafford. But I think it's important that we we reflect on his career because he's been a brilliant servant for the club ever since he joined. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you talk about it feeling like an end of season game. A lot of games this season have felt like that, to be fair. Yeah. And, and that's middle of the season games for United. A lot of them felt like friendlies, testimonials, end of season fixtures. Um, but this one actually was, so it, it was fair enough. Yeah, Carrot, the the ideal man at your at your football club, slowly become less important over the last few years, but a vital part to what I would say is our best ever team, the the two thousand seven to two thousand nine ish team, or even to two thousand eleven, and then was key until Fergie retired and, and beyond. And and not just that, but a brilliant man, and, and genuinely delighted that he's staying as a coach and. And Mourinho indicated he'll, he'll be assistant in the future once he's got some experience. Um, not quite assistant yet, but part of the coaching team and for the cup final, we part of the coaching team. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> obviously it was a slow game, but Carrick was still still at his best and showed why he probably could play 10 games next year if, if he wanted to, if his, if his body would allow it. Because, I mean, the forward passes against Watford, we could probably, we could have done with him playing a bit more this season. It's, we need someone like that, but it's so hard to find someone who's not not always going to dribble it forward. But he makes he makes the passes that that lead to the key pass, and the the goal on Sunday was was the key example of that. Brilliant pass to Matter. Matter did the assist, and and Rashford scores. Um, that has been Michael Carrick's game for twelve years at United. Yeah, absolutely. We when I when I when I watch Carrick now, you know, don't he's definitely not the player that he once was, and you can tell that time is slowly catching up with his body, but. He is still offers something for our team that maybe no one else does. His his passing is still up there with some of the best in the Premier League. The way that he is able to see uh, to see passing lanes through midfield, and he so often is the key in getting um, some of our attacking midfielders or uh, attacking players in that uh, in that gap between the lines of the midfield and defence, which is. So important in uh, in football at the moment, just the way the game is played, getting in those little pockets of space and drawing defenders out is so so important. And you know, as 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 much as as we love Paul Pogba, and at times he is one of the best midfielders in the world. Even even for someone as good as Pogba, that's not that's not really what his game is best at. It's always been something that Carrick has excelled at. And just watching him against Watford, even in what was a pretty low key game. There were still moments where I thought, "Wow, his, his passing is still just as good as it was, as it always has been." It's something we really miss as well. The yeah, just just passing through the lines of midfield and defence, and because United, especially the the United of the last five years or so, teams of teams do just sit back at Old Trafford, and not just at Old Trafford, but in away games as well. We have the ball, we dominate possession, but we have to break down teams with ten men behind the ball who will then counter-attack and score against us. And it was an even bigger issue under Van Gaal and Moyes, but it remains one under Mourinho. And having a player that can pass through the lines of defence and midfield is something I think we miss, miss massively in the side. And a Michael Carrick of 26-27 would be the best player, in, not the best player, but the most important player in this team because of how teams set up at Old Trafford. And yeah, as you say, Pogba, fantastic midfield, I love him. Same goes for Matic. And Herrera, not an amazing midfielder, but a good midfielder, but none of them can, can do the Michael Carrick role. And he, he is a rare breed of footballer, um, called a piano by Gary Neville, a Rolls-Royce by Paul Scholes, and one of the best in the world by Guardiola, Wenger, Fergie, uh, Xabi Alonso, Xavi, Iniesta. So he comes with great pedigree, and it's it's sad to no longer have him in our team. 
yeah, it, it really is. I, you know, I, I and it, it, it's sad as well because he's the last member now um, from the 2008 Champions League winning team. They've all all moved on, either retired, moved to other clubs. It was obviously Rooney and Carrick last season. Rooney moved on. Now Carrick was the only one left, and he's no longer playing. So it's a sad moment to think that we really are at the end of an era now. And you know, any any reminders of that sort of previous generation have have well and truly gone. Uh, there's always the the great picture on Twitter going round yep. of all the the uh, the team picture from before that game and all the players getting uh, getting blacked out one by one or or like darkened out one by one. Yeah. Uh, and now now they're all gone. Yeah, it's sad, and it's I guess it's uh, that's our generation's team, um, if you like. I mean, depends what what age whoever's listening is. But for us, I'm 17. That's that is that's our generation of of United players growing up is is the Michael Carrick generation that 2018, um, yeah. and yeah, it's, it is the end of an era. But it that it makes it even more important that Carrick's staying around because we saw Giggs stay, become assistant manager. He's now gone. Um, Skulls coached under Giggs. Weird. We've got Nicky Butt head of the academy, sure, but not part of that team. Part of sure some conti- continuity, but Carrick is is keeping that going. Has the experience, um, has the winning mentality, and. Also, he's because he's he's such an experienced individual. I think with this team, he has been for quite a few years because he hasn't been playing as much because it's been a, a sort of gradual decline in his playing time. He's already been sort of a detached figure from the squad, um, and been able to fulfil that role as as kind of a, a player coach, advising Paul Pogba, he advised Angel Gomez before he made his debut. He's advised Anthony Martial. Um, He's done that for years, and now I think it'll be very easy for him to move into to a coach in, in a really important role, actually, and not one that Mourinho's coaching staff has at the moment. Um, and the, the fact that Mourinho says he'll likely become his assistant in, in the next few years, A, shows Mourinho is thinking long-term at United, which is positive, um, and B, shows how highly he rates Carrick's potential as a coach. And it would be... It, it, great to have Carrick around for, for a n- number of more years whether that means he's going to go on to become United manager which is obviously incredibly unlikely or be a coach for a few years and then move on it, it, it's good to have him around yeah so. it is I, Carrick has always been from pretty much anyone who, who's been asked about Carrick he's always been someone who's got massive praise um, you know he, he acts like a mentor to so many players uh, you mentioned that Angel Gomez Paul Pogba all of them have said how important Carrick have been to them you know, influencing them in their careers when they were starting out as young players at United and now, that, especially in Pogba's case, sort of coming through and dealing with the pressure of being the star of the team. Carrick has always been there and he seems to be such a good role model. I do think that there, there are just certain players who you kind of know that are going to turn out to be good coaches and Carrick seems to be one of those. Um, he, he's, he under, Not only does he understand the game so well, but he seems to be very, very good with, with with people as well, and that's a massive part of being a manager, is being a good man manager. And I hope that Carrick does stay at the club for a long time. And you know, as Mourinho said, maybe one day does become assistant manager, potentially at at United. Yep. Um, a few more things. David de Gea presented with the the Golden Glove before the game. Um, and I saw this stat before the before the Brighton game. Um, so which was our third last game of the season which was terrible. Um, and we haven't actually mentioned Brighton and West Ham, but both awful games. Um, and we, we'll talk slightly more about that in a second. But not everyone loves the expected goal stat, but De Gea has conceded 15 less than he was expected to 
going into that Brighton game. I don't know what it is now, but 15 less goals than he's expected to is is ridiculous. I assume about 12 of those came in, in the Arsenal away game in that 3-1 win. Yeah. But you, uh, the the person who was tweeting it was saying um, oh, a world-class keeper and this applies to the hay over the last four or five seasons will usually concede five to eight less than expected over the course of the season. 15 is just a completely ridiculous stat. Whether you like expected goals or not, it's, it's it shows just how good the hay has been this season, even comparatively to before. Yeah, there was uh, the, the great um, like sort of graphic of... Um, I think it was how many, basically how many ridiculous saves you make and how consistently you do it. Um, De Gea was just out on his own with no one anywhere near him. There were there were other keepers that made similarly great saves and there were other keepers that were very consistent, but there was absolutely no one anywhere near De Gea's level of both consistency and just being a ridiculous shot stopper. Uh, yeah, again, he's he's proved his worth to us this year and. He just gets even more important every year. Every year, I think that De Gea can't get any better and can't get any more important to our team. And every single year, he proves me wrong. Um, so hopefully, he keep he'll keep doing that. Yeah, just a brilliant player and well deserved. That he finally gets the Golden Glove. Um, he he definitely deserves. It's, it's almost surprising that it's his, his first one because he's probably been the best goalkeeper in the league for at least the last three seasons. Um, so glad that he finally gets the recognition for it, even if. It is more maybe more of a sign of us being too defensive in a lot of games, but that's another story. I'm, I'm very happy for De Gea. Um, yeah, the only, the only thing you can say is let's tie him down to a new contract. We just saw City sign Edison to a seven-year contract, which is pretty what pretty mental. But uh, maybe not a seven-year contract for De Gea, but definitely has yeah. getting tied down again. Yeah, it was an interview with Ander Herrera about De Gea. I think maybe two or three weeks ago. I forgot to mention it when it when it did come out. But it was a great quote where he said when he when Herrera's like strolling around the dressing room nervously before a game, De Gea comes and pats him on the back and says, Don't worry, we've got me and go, even if they do get a shot away, it's not gonna go in. And it's just because we don't hear from De Gea much, we don't really know quite what his character's like, but it's just that sheer arrogance and confidence in your own ability that is that you get with the the best of the best. And De Gea clearly has that. Yeah time now to 10 years if Edison's seven then De Gea can be 10 years um on whatever wages he likes um because it's it's a statement as well as a a complete necessity to have him remaining at our club one one player who might not be remaining though Anthony Martial arrived at Old Trafford way before his teammates arrived and then left way before his teammates arrived so there may be nothing to it could could just be injury which is what Mourinho said it's just odd that he'd come and then leave. But since he since he didn't arrive with the rest of the team and then left before the rest of the team got there, wasn't sort of in an official capacity, it seemed, to me, it seems reasonably insignificant. It's not as if he stormed off once everyone got into the dressing room. Yeah, and I think Mourinho said uh, that he, Martial had a small knee injury and he came in for some for some treatment. Obviously, maybe the fact that he didn't stay for the game uh, is, is something, but... The last game of the season, when there's very little to play for, it wasn't. I, yeah, I, I don't think it's been blown out of proportion a, a bit. Um, it's not. It's really not as big a deal as many people are making it out to be. I do think there is a chance Martial leaves in the summer, though. Um, and to be fair, I think it's a it's a really tough one with Martial because we know how good he can be, and obviously he saw how good he was in his first in his first season. But you look at him based on what he's done when he has been given the chance to play this season and last season. If that was a, if that was a different player, not named Martial, if that was if that was Lingard or any anyone really playing, uh, playing and putting in the performances that he has, I don't think there will be that many complaints about him being sold. So whilst I do want him to stay because obviously we know how good he can be, I don't think 
it's you know a, a completely unreasonable thing to do if he does want to leave for the club to sell him, even though I do want him to stay. He, despite not being consistently impressive, he's still the club's second highest goal scorer in the league. Um, and his first season, he led. He was our top scorer. I think it was seventeen goals as a teenager. He's now twenty-two. I just, I just think it's it doesn't make sense to me to let him go because he's not going to get that much money. He will obviously go for a significant transfer fee, but nothing that's like incredible because he hasn't had the most amazing season. If he'd been sold after his first season at United, it'd be huge money. But now, I, I can't see it being mouth-watering stuff. And Mourinho's sort of criticised him. That probably won't help with his transfer fee. But it just doesn't seem to make sense to let go of someone who could be so good. Even even if he's not that happy at the club, just work on it. Keep keep going because he clearly is a ridiculous talent given he's, he's still contributed to, I think, more goals than anyone but uh, Lukaku, I think, in the squad. And the, the talent is clearly ridiculous and the ability is clearly ridiculous. It just needs harnessing. And obviously there have been difficulties and probably with him as well, there's definitely things he needs to do. He should be performing better, but I just think it's a bit bit of a waste. Maybe maybe after another season under Marina, then yeah, possibly. But for now, I think we, we should definitely be keeping it. But Daily Blind and Matteo Darmian seemingly playing their last game for the club. Um, I thought it was a bit odd that Marino gave him that game because... He's not, he's not the most sentimental character. I can't imagine. I can't imagine he was giving them a, a final farewell at Old Trafford. And then you think the only reason is to, like, put them on the market a bit. But then, Blind and Darmian tend to lose value every time they play <laughs> because they're they're generally not great. So, I mean, going back to the the point early in the episode, why they were playing ahead of ahead of Shaw, ahead of um, anyone, <laughs> any young player in that squad. Um, including the youth team, why they're in the squad makes makes no sense to me. But yeah, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, it was a it was a strange decision. Um, I think by all accounts, Blind and Darmian will both not be here next season, and it it did seem strange to. All right, you know, maybe he wants to give them one last game, which which does make sense. But it just seems strange to give them that game above, like you said, some of the youth players that we have, uh, especially given that the positions that they were playing in, we could easily have. Uh, have fielded some young some young players or even just squad players like Luke Shaw, um, so yeah, it, it was a it was a strange decision. I think it doesn't really help help them in the long run. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Damian is still here next season, though. To be fair, uh, I think he's just the kind of, I mean, I, yeah, I really oh, hope he is, but not. I think he's he's just the kind of versatile. I mean, he's not even that versatile, but he can play in more than one position. He he'll come on and consistently just, poor in all positions. Yeah, yeah. Um, he is, and he he needs to go. But I I could see him still being here next season. I do think Blind will go though. Uh, I just think physically, he's not a Mourinho player. But to be fair, I would say about about Daily Blind that we do have some good memories of, of Blind for sure. Much more so than Darmian. Uh, Blind was there was a time when yeah. Blind was our best centre back under Louis Van Gaal, um, and actually did very well there. Even even despite being yeah. a, a pretty small player, he was always very good on the ball. Uh, maybe unfortunate that. He, you know, he just never yeah. really was good enough to play centre mid for us. But he did did a good job for a season or two under Van Gaal and just kind of been frozen out now. But it's important to remember that he hasn't been terrible the whole time. Yeah, definitely. Blin, Blin put in some really good performances and um, sacrificed himself for the team a lot, playing left back, centre back, left centre yeah. back, 
defensive midfield, midfield. And scored some important goals too. Yes, and a and a great one at West Brom in the game where yeah. Fellaini also scored his first goal, the two two draw. What what a time that was. Um but also we haven't spoken to you since we, we secured second spot in the league and in in the most underwhelming way possible with a nil nil draw at West Ham, um which was dull to the extreme until Mark Noble decided to gouge Paul Popper's <laughs> eye out or at least try to. But yeah, uh, secured second, very underwhelming, but progress. Um, and there, there was an interesting thing that in the two years Mourinho's been in charge, the league winners have got 93 and 100 points. And in the two Van Gaal seasons, the two league winners got 81 points and 87. <laughs> and we've got, we've got on average, seven more points a season under, under Mourinho than we did under Van Gaal, including last year when we we sacrificed the league campaign a lot for the Europa League so I mean there's definitely progress it's just uh, there's not enough and it's not been in the most attractive style at all yeah it's a strange one I think you know obviously second isn't isn't what we were looking for Um, and at the start of the season even though you know I don't think we ever really thought we were gonna be able to uh, to win the league it's annoying to finish what was it in the 19 points off off the champions but like you said it, the competition varies a lot from year to year, and I mean we could have broken the previous points record and still not be in C. So I think it it does need some perspective. Eighty one points is a pretty good season. It's not it's not brilliant, and it still needs to be improved on. Um, but it is it is weird in the Premier League how you know different seasons would have we would have finished. Well, we, I mean we would have won the league in I think something like seven of the twenty four seasons of the Premier League or something. We would yeah. have actually won the league with eighty one points. Um, which is pretty mental considering we, we finished 19 points <laughs> yeah. behind the champions this season. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just it's a strange it's a strange way of looking at it. I think um, it, you almost have to isolate what we did from what everyone else did around us uh, to put it in perspective. But that's hard to do because ultimately the whole point of being in the league is that you have to beat everyone else. So we do have, if you know if City are going to get 100 points every season, we have to figure out a way of getting 101. Um, yeah, that's, as, that's as difficult mentality. as that might be. Right, we also haven't spoken to you for for a while, partly because of of the the weird schedule of, of Brighton on a Friday night and then West Ham on a Thursday. But it means we haven't been able to talk about the under eighteen Premier League final that United win. An exciting day for United, who haven't been this good at, at that level for some time. Facing Chelsea, beaten three 0 comfortably in the end, even though United put in a, a pretty good performance against what is, to be fair, a brilliant Chelsea side who. Um, were beaten by Barcelona in the UEFA Youth League final, won the FA Youth Cup for I think the, the fifth time in seven years or something ridiculous like that. Like that. United without Jimmy Garner, Ethan Laird, Arnold Puigmar and largely Ramazani because of the under-17 Euros. And the manager has improved United at this age so much is Kieran McKenna. And he could be set for a job change, a, p- a promotion. Reports this week have suggested that McKenna will be promoted to a first-team role under Marino, who's been impressed by his work for the under-18s, which is... Uh, it's it's quite rare and, and unexpected. I mean, it's a, it's a great move for him, definitely. I don't know if it will happen. Um, and I also don't know if it, if it's the right move for the club overall, if he's not desperate to, to go into first-team football because he's a fantastic young coach and could progress to United's ranks. I mean, who knows how high he could go, but he's been he really has been brilliant with the under-18s. It would be sad to see him move on so quickly and United have to find another replacement after landing such a gem. 
Now, in the under-17 Euros, England have been having some success reaching the semi-finals and they're being captained by United's Jimmy Garner in midfield and his teammate Ethan Laird, a left-back or sometimes centre-back, is also a starter. Uh, hopefully the boys can go on and win that. Quigmau and Ramazani also in action at the under-17 Euros. But Mason Greenwood not because United wanted him to sit his GCSEs. Now, FA Cup final. Nervy. Chelsea. I, there's very few... T- I think Chelsea are probably the team I get most nervous against, but... I love cup final. I, I don't think I ever really understood how good cup final day was until we reached it the first time I could properly experience it, which was under Van Hal. Obviously, lived through beating Millwall in 04, uh, losing to Arsenal in 05, and losing to Chelsea later, but wasn't at the right age to understand like just how good cup final day is. It's just, it's perfect. Sun, huge game, a lot of stake, Wembley, no other games on, everyone's, everyone's watching you. It's perfect. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still kind of harrowed because, uh, I went to the first ever FA Cup final at the New Wembley Chelsea. when we played Chelsea yeah. and Drogba scored a little toe poke past Van der Sar in extra yeah. time. At the end, I was sitting at <laughs> as well. It was just awful. Uh, so, yeah, I'm still kind of scarred from that. But I am I am really looking forward to it. Chelsea's a weird one because, like you, I'm always... I'm, Chelsea are pro- probably the team that make me most nervous. It just in, in general. Obviously, like whatever's happening at that time can change. Like, I'm more nervous for City this season. But... Well, a few things are making me a little bit less nervous. One, we beat Chelsea earlier in the season and that was really a turning point for our performances against the top teams. Two, Chelsea look pretty tragic at the moment. I mean, just been... I mean, I know we also lost to Newcastle, but at least we didn't lose 3-0. So, you know, I I think there is... There's definitely some reasons to be optimistic, but it's a cup final. Anything can happen. You know, we saw how tough it was against Palace, who were a team that were theoretically a lot worse than us on paper um, in the... Cup final a couple of years ago. It's always it's always a bit of an unknown going into the final. I'm just I'm really looking forward to it. I just so desperately hope that we that we do come out with the trophy. I think you know second in an FA Cup. It, while it's not maybe not what we wanted and the football hasn't been great at times. You offered me second in, in the FA Cup at the start of the season. I probably would have taken it as a good season as a sign of progress. And it just it just brings a feel good feeling to the club. You know we've spoken about this before. It doesn't really matter what trophy it is, but just winning trophies in general just brings a real sense of joy and, and happiness to the club that I think is hard to replicate just through, you know, it, even if we'd have finished five points behind Man City rather than 19, I don't think that would have made up for the potential feeling of winning a trophy. Yeah, true. Uh, there is, yeah, I've got some confidence because Mourinho is ridiculously good in finals. Chelsea look rubbish and Chelsea... I don't think there's the same confidence in that Chelsea side in a, in a final as as there is with United, um, and so there is there is an element of confidence, but it's not it's yeah. not um, it's not you're not going in thinking we're going to win this definitely, but um, we are the favourites and, and we should be and we should be beating Chelsea. There, there's no doubt about that. We're a better team than them, um, and to be fair, to this United team squad, um, full to talk about yeah. not winning stuff. Or not even not winning stuff, but not being as successful. Yeah, obviously. I mean, <laughs> no one needs to confirm that. But in terms of experience at Wembley, um, three, four big games at Wembley that we, we've now won under Mourinho and Van Gaal. The FA Cup semi under Van Gaal, where we got a late winner. Then Palace, another late winner. The League Cup final with Zlatan Ibrahimovic against Southampton last year. And then the, the semi against Spurs this season. Um, so four big Wembley games in which in which we've come out on top, not including the Community Shield, which obviously isn't, isn't as big or pressurised. And 
Mourinho plus this United team Wembley experience is fantastic. Um, and whereas it always used to be Chelsea with the with the Wembley expert yeah, exactly. job, but we've now got one in Sanchez and Jesse Lingard. Yeah, we've yeah. Got, we've got the two Wembley experts. Who would you start in in midfield? Um, yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I, I I'm leaning at the moment towards Pogba, Matic, and McTominay. Um, I definitely think we need to go with a three because I think it it makes us a lot more solid defensively and it gives Pogba a bit more freedom going forward. It's just really who who takes up that third row. I think Matic and Pogba will start regardless. If we are to start with with a three, yeah, definitely. Personally, I would go with McTominay, um, but I, I I would probably think that Mourinho would start Herrera if he does go with the three. Um, yeah, I, I could easily see him starting Herrera just to, I mean, potentially to man Mark Eden Hazard again. Although McTominay fulfilled that yeah. role very well um, against Chelsea in in the game you referenced earlier. Um, but yeah, Herrera or McTominay is. I, I would suspect would be doing similar similar roles. I mean, you've just got to pray that Marion Fellaini won't be the third man. Um, because coming off the bench fine in, in a cup final, I don't mind. If Fellaini's going to come on and, and help us yeah, score exactly, the that's, that's the exact kind sure. of situation where, where Fellaini should be used. If we're 1-0 down with 15 minutes to go, of course you bring Fellaini on. Yeah, but starting Fellaini in a cup final, it would show exactly why, however many cups we win, however close we get to City, we can't move on without selling someone like Marin Fellaini and a couple yeah. of other players in the team so as long as he doesn't start happy with with any midfield three to be honest and I <laughs> apart from Michael Carrick who, who definitely won't be because he'll be coaching which is which will be nice to see um, <laughs> and hopefully he can bow out his career with a, a sort of player coach cup final victory and lift his final trophy as a player and technically his first as a coach as well on the same day. And then in defence, it looks like reports suggest Smalling and Jones will start, which I'm not too against, but I'd quite like to see one of Bay and Lindelof, um, especially Eric Bay. hopefully. There were there were suggestions that Mourinho was resting him for the World Cup, which is ridiculous. And I don't want to see any of that. Club over country until the, the, the season ends. Um, but hopefully, I, I, I don't know what's going on with Bay. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of injuries, but Bay Jones back two would would be good although there's there's a mistake in both of them but w- whatever defense we start won't be perfect let's be honest I was going to say regardless of which two of the four center backs we choose there's a mistake in all of them so it doesn't I, for me I think Jones and Bailly, um would be the best pair I can't see it happening it probably will end up being Jones and Smalling which I don't think is the worst thing in the world I, I think Jones makes Smalling better um, but yeah, Jones and Bailly would be my ideal partnership, but I just can't see it happening. It's, it's the whole Bailly thing has been strange because he's been back from injury for a while and he, he hasn't even been getting in a lot of the matchday squads. Yes, yeah, it, it's been really odd. I, I don't know what's going on there. And there's been some people suggesting he's had a, a turbulent United career, and he really hadn't until about a month ago. And it's not been turbulent; it's just odd because it makes it seem like he's not favoured by Mourinho when he's a perfect Mourinho defender and definitely was that at the start of the season. Bayer has never really had a, a bad game in a United shirt. Not, yeah. I mean, he's definitely had some games have been worse than others, but he's not had a a real stinker of a game yet. Really, he's been a pretty consistent defender with some brilliant performances. He's been up and down in the sense that he hasn't always been in the team because he's been injured a lot. But when he's actually been playing, I don't think he's been up and down at all. Yeah, and we just got to pray that Romelu Lukaku's back fit, um, fully fit yeah. again, um, because he's been really good in, in big games recently and. As prob- I've, for me, is our most important outfield player in yeah, in big we games. We miss him a lot well. when he isn't playing. We just don't have that yeah. the focal point in attack. 
you saw Marcus Rashford against Watford has not got that ability to hold the ball up. Um, and he, I mean, we can safely say he, neither he nor Martial will be starting the cup final. It will be Lingard, Sanchez, um, Lukaku. You would, you would think it's yeah. 99% certain. Now, that's all we have time for on Series 3, Episode 31 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. For more from us ahead of the Cup Final, after the Cup Final and, and so on, before we come back next time, you can find Jack on Twitter at... At UTDTAIT, T-A-I-T. And you can find me at, at HarryRobinson64 on the podcast itself at, at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. I hope you enjoyed Series 3, Episode 31, and I hope you enjoyed the Cup Final, whether you're going or watching somewhere else. She wore a scarlet ribbon in the merry month of May. Goodbye. <laughs>